0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret here at the outset of today's show. I am recording almost immediately following the conclusion of the Super Bowl. And if you hear weird clicking noises, those are Tums and (laughs) Pepto-Bismol. And I know what you're saying, Dan. Isn't Pepto a liquid? Yeah. But have you guys ever done the tabs? They are delightful. Hope you guys all had a wonderful Super Bowl Sunday. Mine was fun. Had a good one. Overall, pretty good weekend. Did some play-by-play work. It was good, got me out of the house, which is always nice because my office here is in my bedroom. I don't move very much over the course of a week, so it's kind of nice to to get out, shake the limbs out a little bit, do some stuff, I don't know, see the sun? Warm as hell in Southern California these days. Uh, those of you that listened to the Hoopball Gaming Podcast, you guys had some good wagers come in over the last couple of days The Thursday and Friday shows, they broke down the Super Bowl. Thursday, I was on that one, and I told you guys to wait until the last second and then hammer the under on the national anthem. Not the game. Screw the game. I don't know anything about the NFL. But that one would have cashed. And, of course, I was too lazy to put my bet in. I don't know why. Just had other things going on. And whiffed on it. Would have nailed it. Should have bet it. Oh, well. But uh, perhaps you guys listened to what we were talking about, and that would get the job done anyway. So Super Bowl was fun, everybody. Everybody gorged themselves, and everybody's good today on Monday. I know this is Super Bowl hangover day, and a lot of people calling sick, but some of us don't have that luxury. We got things going on, man. The NBA is in full swing. It's nice to be just kind of a little bit removed from, of course, the Kobe stuff. I'm not going to get into that on today's podcast. I think it's time for us to at least in the short term here, move forward a little bit. I'm sure there will be various memorials and and so forth. And those of you that listen to the Friday pod, you knew that we talked about that Laker game coming up tonight, or that night, I should say, on Friday night, and it was obviously very emotional. And we'll get into some of that as we work our way back through the weekend in a reverse chronological lightning round, because that's what's going on on today's podcast. Before we get to that, of course, we've got to introduce everybody. This is Today in Sports Betting, a hoop ball presentation. I'm Dan Pespris. You can follow all of us on Twitter at Dan Bespris, that's me, at Hoopball Fantasy, that's our fantasy basketball feed, at Hoopball Tweets, which is the umbrella Twitter handle that covers fantasy, DFS, gaming, team coverage. It retweets all of that good stuff. That's sort of the big one that pulls from all of our different little guys. And then, of course, the one that we've been pushing real hard lately is at Hoopball Gaming. Hoopball Gaming, Hoopball Gaming, Hoopball Gaming. I'll say it 100 times if I have to. Go follow that if you have any inclination to bet on sports of any kind. It's not just basketball. If you're like, well, I love fantasy basketball, but I love betting on football, or I love betting on hockey or whatever, Ira, Devin, Neal, and Josh are doing a wonderful job. So check that out. They've got a podcast called Today in Sports Betting. It's our big new project here at Ball, and I'm super proud of it. So check that out. Check all those places out. And of course, thank you for listening as per always. Do a couple more promos later on in the podcast. I want to dive straight into the fantasy stuff because it was, by all accounts, pretty interesting basketball weekend as well. Reverse chronological lightning round. Those of you that are unaware, we work backwards Sunday through Friday in the reverse order of normal time. Covering the most recent game played for all 30 NBA teams. It ties in nicely with what we do on Friday, Which is previewing every team's next game over the weekend, and thus we're able to tie everything together. Big, neat little package. Guess big, little. One neat, big or little doesn't matter. What size package that gets you ready for the week ahead? Let's start with Sunday, light day by all accounts. A little bit of news. Denver was in Detroit and lost it overtime to a oddly fired-up Pistons team that lost Derrick Rose to a sore groin around halftime. He wasn't playing well to that point, and then kind of revealed why. My guess, I mean, we know Derrick Rose. He's actually been, by all accounts, relatively durable this year, at least compared to perhaps the expectation for him to this point. So, you know, the assumption would be he's played 43 games so far. My guess is he probably misses three or four. When this thing gets upgraded from sore to a strain of any kind, maybe that stretches into, you know, two weeks instead of one. But my guess would be he's pretty careful, and I would mark this as day-to-day unless they tell us anything otherwise on uh, Monday or Tuesday. By all accounts, he'll be missing their next ball game, which means Reggie Jackson, he has this wide open lane in front of him right now because Detroit does not have enough scoring, and he's going to be out there taking all the shots. So this feels like a time where he could actually get used in fantasy sports. It's no not going to be a great thing. He's going to probably shoot a low field goal percent. He'll make his free throws. He will not get you any defensive stats. And this game, by all accounts, was about the best-case scenario. 20 points, 6 assists, a couple of 3 balls on percentages that are not going to kill you from the field and good at the free throw line, although doesn't take a ton of them either. So this is, to me, best-case scenario. Also an overtime game, so maybe normally closer to 29 or 30 minutes instead of 34, but useful right now. Also of note in this ball game Bruce Brown nearly triple doubled, but I'm not going to buy into that too much. He got hot off the bench, had a really efficient game. Andre Drummond fouled out. They just I mean they were grasping at things. They played Don Maker after Drummond fouled out in overtime, which was extremely frustrating for those of us that have been stashing or sitting on or playing Christian Wood. Who only saw 16 minutes in this game despite Andre Drummond foul trouble. So that was a little bit of a pisser. Uh, they needed somebody that could defend Nikola Jokic. And the answer was nobody really could, Drummond or otherwise. He was just carving him up. Jokic had a huge ball game, but that's why you saw a couple of Thonmaker minutes. It's why you didn't see very much Christian Wood, who, again, obviously a stash. We're now three days away from the trade deadline. And by the way, I think we can officially hear, since I just brought it up for the first time on today's show, remind you guys again, we will have trade deadline live coverage all Thursday morning here on the Pacific Coast. It is whatever, doesn't matter what time it is in other time zones. But Thursday, of course, noon out here, Pacific time is your trade deadline, which means we're going to be covering it all the way up to it. Three hours in front and one hour behind to break it all down myself and a host of pros, We'll get that job done for you on Thursday. It's our biggest show of the year, every year. That's Thursday, obviously, trade deadline Thursday, the 6th. We'll start at 9 a.m., and we'll roll until about 30 to 60 minutes after the deadline pass. It'll be a a three-and-a-half to four-hour live show that takes all the trade deadline news and immediately, immediately turns that into fantasy breakdown. It is so much fun I cannot wait to get you guys looped in on that. So, mark your calendars. We'll start getting that show page up. Uh, obviously, it'll be free coverage all morning. This is not a paid thing. Just a really fun thing we do here at Hoop Ball. Uh, other places have started to do likewise, but just remember who came first? Hoop Ball, baby. Yours truly. Jeremy Grant, his stream value is just through the roof right now. I don't know when Paul Millsap's coming back, but Grant had 10 blocks in two games over the weekend, and that was freaking sweet. Monte Morris got hot in this one, since we haven't had Jamal Murray, but he's been sort of all over the map. Uh, Will Barton was good, as per usual, and then no Michael Porter Jr., so that allowed perhaps a little bit more of the Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, production. I mean, Denver's so beat up right now, it's... uh, Kind of remarkable they've been able to do what they have been, but we talked about them being a deep team early in the year, and it's definitely coming into play right now. Detroit is is certainly the more interesting of the two teams in this ball game. Um, Reggie Jackson, I'm going to call a guy you need to start in any 12-team format as long as Derrick Rose is out. He was, he was on the cusp anyway, given, again, we talked about the fact that his value is going to be increased with no Blake Griffin around, since he's now going to be more of a primary ball handler as opposed to more of a scoring point guard. Uh, but with no Derrick Rose, they they have no choice. They're going to have to play in big minutes, and he's going to have to take a ton of shots. So that'll be uh, fantasy relevant, to be sure. And, I, I mean, we haven't heard anything about Andre Drummond trade rumors in a while. I think someone posted an article saying that he was linked to, like, Charlotte and the Knicks. But I don't know. That felt like it was getting pulled out of the clouds anyway. Seiko Numbuya played better in this one. But he, too, has been all over the map. Detroit as a team has been all over the map. I'm not trusting it. I told you there was going to be a lot of bumps along the way with that one, and I don't have the stones to play him. Milwaukee blew out Phoenix, which, I mean, Milwaukee's blowing out everybody these days. Brooke Lopez had nine blocks in this ballgame. Whoa. Chris Middleton, very good. Giannis missed a ton of free throws again. I mean, he is just killing teams in that category. He's the ultimate punt guy this year. Remarkable. Kelly Oubre cooled off. He did have a double-double, but shot just 5 for 20 in this ballgame. Down to 8 and 20 and 14. Also had a rough shooting game. Took 27 shots. Devin Booker continues his insane run of efficiency. No steals or blocks, but boy, tough to complain when he's putting up 32 points on only 15 shots. He's having an incredible efficiency here. I I mean, you know, I I was not that high on Booker, and he's exceeded all of that by shooting 51% high volume from the field. That was not... I mean, even a, a small step forward would have been significant, and this is wild. And he's done it by largely abandoning the three-point. Not abandoning, mean, he's hitting almost two a game, but very, very few compared to what you'd expect from a shooting-scoring type. He's done an awful lot, and it's, uh, it's something. Mikael Bridges played 31 minutes, he had two steals and two blocks, but really, I mean, it's always going to be hinging on whether or not he can hit a three-pointer and make his field goal attempts, because... He's going to get his minutes right now. They've really leaned into him hard these days. But if he doesn't hit his shots, then his value is really capped. I do think he belongs on rosters, though. Dante DiVincenzo, he's still just kind of coasting along as a boring end-of-your-bench guy, but should still be utilized. Houston beat New Orleans. James Harden looked like himself again at 40-10-9, and 9, with only 24 shots instead of more shots than points. Russell Westbrook had a bad shooting game, and then nobody else gets enough usage to be useful on a night-to-night basis, even without Clint Capella. P.J. Tucker played 39 minutes, took five shots, missed them all, had nine rebounds. Daniel House had a double-double. He's been playing a bit better as that sort of weird power forward, I guess, right now. Tough to say with this team at the moment. And then Eric Gordon is just not not good. I mean, I know he had that big ball game and, and so forth, but yeah. Um, Zion Williamson, 21-10, apparently didn't touch the ball enough down the stretch. That was the report on this game. I didn't watch the fourth quarter live. Josh Hart got hot, and that pushed J.J. Redick off the map. Drew Holiday had a bad one. Lonzo Ball had a good one. Brandon Ingram was solid. Generally with this team, the story's about the same. Ball, Ingram, Williamson, and Favors, who again is trending more in that 24-28 to 28 minute range, and we're totally fine with that because it's hopefully keeping him on the floor. But Hart and Reddick, those two guys, generally Reddick's going to be your specialist of the two. But if, if Josh is playing better on any given night, you can see where that can sort of wedge one guy out over the other. Toronto blew out Chicago. Not that there weren't enough blowouts on this Super Bowl Sunday. Zach Levine was okay, but not great. He only took 10 shots. Pretty unusual for him. Thad Young in his streaming role is playing quite well. No Chris Dunn with a knee sprain. That happened in the previous game. So Tomas Sadoransky's minutes are basically safe for now, despite the fact that Chandler Hutchinson and Denzel Valentine are back. And then Daniel Gafford made his return, but only played nine minutes in this game. Four and a half minutes in each half and looked completely out of sorts with a point, a rebound, and three turnovers. I have to admit, I was excited. I thought he'd come back guns blazing. He only missed about three weeks, which is something but not crazy long and he was just beyond goofball. He turned his ankle in the first half, worth noting, Um, and I'm totally fine with not utilizing him if we think it's going to take two or three games to just get his sea legs back, because before you know it, Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be back. I I would try to, if you picked up Gafford in advance of this ballgame, try to hang on one more. He's better than Cristiano Felicio, and he's better than Luke Cornett when this team's sort of looking towards the future, so hopefully they'll give him a little bit more run in the next one. Of course, his return does basically ruin anything that Luke Cornett might have been doing. Not that he wasn't—I mean, he wasn't doing much anyway—but now you can kind of pull the plug on that one. On the Toronto side, with Norman Powell, the weird day-after report coming out that he broke a finger—he's out indefinitely. We don't have a timeline, and that's been the case with all of the Raptors. Ahem, brutal injury reporting. I'm pissed about this again. Not forget the injury itself. Give us anything. We had no timeline on Marcus Sol the first time around, and this time around, we had no timeline on uh, Pascal Siakam. We had no time on Norman Powell the first time he was out. We sort of had a tiny, weird timeline on Kyle Lowry. We didn't really have any timelines on Freddie Van Vliet. They are reporting nothing out of Toronto, and it's bull. You have to tell people something. This is ridiculous so annoyed with this injury reporting anyway I mean a broken finger if it's one that gets used a lot I mean he could be out months if it's not he could be they can try to play with some crap tape together in like two weeks I really don't know they've given us nothing other than out indefinitely so I'm going to sit on Norman Powell for now I picked him up in a bunch of spots when he was coming back from the shoulder thing and he was rip roaring things apart Terrence Davis got really hot in this ball game but generally I'm not going to trust him all that far uh, Chris Boucher got sort of warm in this one. I mean, they put up a buck twenty nine, so yeah, a lot of guys got hot. Serge Ibaka had three blocks. That was cool. Kyle Lowry was quiet. Siakam was decent. Van Vliet was decent. Everybody got to do something except poor OG Ananobi, who still refuses to shoot the basketball. So let's assume Norman Powell's going to miss a bunch of time. Let's say, you know, two to four weeks. I don't know what it's going to be. What does this mean for Toronto? Well, in the short term... It seems like it means more for Van Vliet and Lowry and then a better opportunity for Terrence Davis, who obviously went nuts in this one with 31 points. On a night-to-night basis, can you really trust a bench scorer that hasn't really proven himself in any way? I'm not going to jump all over that. That worries me a bit too much to really take that plunge. Before we turn the page to Saturday, I want to remind everybody to please drop a five-star review on the podcast. I'm going to do it I'm gonna ask of you every day. You guys know this is what this is what makes the podcast grow. Not today, not tomorrow, not yesterday. This is what makes the podcast grow during the hot times. I'll try to explain this just briefly here as a kind of a respite in between things. There is a time of the year. And it usually happens right around when everybody's doing their fantasy draft. So it's like basically the month of October. So there's a time of year near October where a lot of folks are looking for where they're going to get their fantasy info this coming season. Where am I going to get my info? How am I going to figure this out? And so they search for, you know, fantasy NBA or something like that on podcast providers. The way that we end up as a search result when they're looking for NBA or fantasy is by having a lot of subscribers and having a lot of positive reviews because it's a couple it's a it's a multi-pronged deal it's a it's a fork of kinds if you have a lot of subscribers iTunes lifts your podcast up on the list it, it ranks things by subscribers and downloads and so forth so the fact that you guys are all listening all the time is a big deal this is extremely helpful the reviews are sort of doubly helpful. If you have a ton of positive reviews on a show, that's going to help you in, re- in search results. And then if, things are ri- if people are writing nice things about the show, then those that click into it and say, hey, you know, this one's came up on my results. Should I listen to it? Well, here's a lot of really well thought out, well intentioned, clever reviews of the show. Maybe I'll give it a try. So that's why this is so important. We have to load up on these from December through August every year. And then in the in-between there, that's when all of those cash in. That's when all the work that you guys have done for us here on this podcast gets cashed in by the growth of the show. And the addition of partners like MyBookie that's given us these great contests, these great promos this year. And as we continue to grow, we should be able to get more of those, more discount codes, more contests, more whatever, for all of you guys listening in as well. So I'm going to do something fun today. I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning when this podcast first launched right at the very last moments of 2016. Podcast has been around for about three years now. Launched in December of 2016 on a traditional podcast channel. We have weird episodes that sort of like, floated around on YouTube and on the HoopBall website only prior to that, but they didn't really count. I believe the very first review ever of this show was on November 30th, 2016 from someone named Speedy PH that said, Love this to death with four hearts and then a funny face. Just amazing work, host is a blast. So Speedy PH, the very first review ever. Of Fantasy NBA Today, we thank you. And if you guys want to write some funny, nice, interesting, whatever stuff on the pod, I'll read that joint on this show as well. Back to Saturday. Minnesota at the Clippers afternoon game. I don't know why the Clippers keep playing this afternoon game. The Lakers weren't even at home for this one. Paul George started to look a little bit more like himself. He and Kawhi Leonard, neither one of them had to play many minutes in what was a blowout. Minnesota carved a few points off their deficit as time was expiring, but this game was uh, basically a runaway. Montrez Harrell turned his ankle twice in this game. It allowed Ivisa Zubots to get up near twenty minutes. He had six points, ten boards, two blocks. I'm okay with a Zubots pickup. I, I we haven't heard anything about Harrell since this ball game, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got a report that he was maybe questionable coming into the their next ball game because of swelling. From those ankle twists, you know, guys can always sort of play through it the day of before it tightens up on a flight or overnight or whatever. Um Obviously, if we get a re- the report that Harrell is 100% fine, then blah, blah, blah. You move on from Zubots. But if he has to miss any time, Ivica would most likely pick up a chunk of minutes, and that would be enough to get him into more consistent fantasy value. From Minnesota, Shabazz Napier, double-double, 11 points, 10 assists. And that again, that's what you're looking for with him. That, that was the reason you would have picked him up is for if he can get anywhere near 10 assists and if he can get anywhere near nine points, you're satisfied. He also had two steals in this game. This is by all accounts a massive success story. And of course, with the way this team's built now with Napier at point, and Towns back, Covington, Wiggins, poor Jared Culver hasn't been able to do anything. He's, he's basically a drop at this point. Dynasty leagues, maybe you can try to hang on. But if you're trying to win right now, He's, he's basically putting up zeros for you. New York went in and beat Indiana. TJ Warren had a head injury in this ballgame. He's already out for this evening's contest Monday night. Malcolm Brogdon 8-7-12. Miles Turner had 12 points, six boards, and uh, some three-pointers. But this is a team that's adjusting now to being fully healthy. You knew this type of stuff was going to happen. Victor Oladipo is all out of sorts and he's costing them games here in the short term, which, again, you fade guys getting big stars back, and, it, and it's working like a charm. For New York, they weren't very good. They scored 92 points, but it was enough. This was the Alfred Payton suspension game. Marcus Morris had 28, a high-scoring game for him. Julius Randle, 16 and 18 on bad percentages. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what are you going to say? Like, ugly. Very ugly all the way around. T.J. Warren, by the way, tough guy to use in a weekly format now on the concussion protocol. You probably have to sit him down. Miami beat up on Orlando. This ballgame was uh, not all that close. Heat were were a couple points in front for, for most of the game. Vooch was solid. Aaron Gordon had a rare big ball game. Markel Fultz continues to sort of slowly plod along as Alfred Payton light in fantasy. Evan Fournier cooled off after his big start uh, and may have actually hurt his back in this ballgame as well. And then for the Heat, Tyler Harrow caught hot at 23 points in 26 minutes, and that'll be his role if he can score a bunch of points quickly. That's basically all you can shoot for with him. Not at all a nine-category guy, but may have some value in points formats because he's out there just chucking up shots and trying to get some points out of it. Not a guy that I'm eyeballing, but again, there's weird specialist appeal. Otherwise, generally, Bam bio at seven defensive stats. Jimmy Butler was decent enough, and then in this one, Duncan Robinson was quiet, but he still hit his three three-pointers, as per usual. Washington beat Brooklyn, and for the Nets, well, things go from not great to worse. Just got Kyrie Irving back, and then he tweaked his knee in this ballgame. It looked really bad. They're calling it uh, just a a a mild sprain for the moment. I don't know if they're going to, at any point reassess. But at the moment, again, what we know right now, and that's all we can go on, is that they're going to take a look in a week and see how he's doing. I'd be pretty surprised if he was back in one week from a knee injury. But who knows? So the sky sort of falling, but hasn't completely fallen in. DeAndre Jordan's actually played well since he came back from his uh, dislocated finger. But otherwise, this Brooklyn team continues to be a pretty lame fantasy place. Land of ill repute. Jared Allen is... I mean, probably your safest fantasy play on the team in general. For Washington, normalcy is close. Thomas Bryant, Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans. Those are the three guys, again, you can trust right now. Uh, Jan Mahimi had three blocks as he sort of reemerged to deal with Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. But you can't trust the rest of these guys. You just can't. And, by the way, sounds like Rui Hachimura and Mo Wagner are both making their returns in Washington's next ballgame, which is really going to cloud things up. Because you know they want to play Rui. Makes me think he'll be taking almost all of Isak Banga's minutes, who played heavily at power forward in this ballgame. And that's going to redistribute shots quite a bit. Remember, Hachimura was getting double-digit shot attempts every ballgame, and doing so pretty efficiently. Not good enough for traditional 9-cat, but maybe he creeps onto the radar. I mean, he was starting to make a name for himself when there were one or two guys out, and he was able to soak up Two, three extra shots per ballgame, which not going to be the case now since he's basically the last one back from his team losing everybody to injury whenever that was, early December, mid-December. Warriors blew out the Cavaliers. Draymond Green tied his uh, career high with 16 assists. Glenn Robinson was good, tough guy to trust on a night-to-night basis. Damian Lee actually had a good ballgame again, but I don't, you know, I, Warriors put up a buck 31, so this is more of an anomaly than anything else. D'Lo hurt his quad, and if there's anything wrong with anybody in Golden State, you know they're going to sit him down. More important than anything, first of all, Kevin Looney played 12 minutes in this game. I mean, yeah, I don't don't know. Marquise Chris played 25 and was wonderful. 10 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, a steal, 4 blocks. I maintain my very high outlook on Marquise Chris. Nothing changing from this ballgame over the weekend. And then Draymond looking nice. That was a breath of fresh air. We got a report, by the way, on Golden State while we're hovering on them here that Steph Curry is set to be reevaluated in four weeks with the hope of returning sometime in March. I hope so, man. Season only goes to this first week and a half of April. This is why I said to drop him back in November. November, December. Daniel, I mean, you've been sitting on him for three months now, and he might come back in a month, and a month, month and a half. I know you almost have to pick him up now. It's a very different story now than it was three months ago. I'm still not convinced he plays this year. I know he wants to. Colin Sexton was pretty good again for Cleveland. He's, he's really come on. More than we can say about the rest of the team in this ballgame. They got smoked. I still love Larry Nance these days. He's playing his ass off. Kevin Porter put up some nice scoring numbers, but I don't trust his fantasy game yet. And still desperately hoping that Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love gets moved prior to the trade deadline because Larry Nance would get fully unleashed at that point. Healthy Larry Nance has been a really nice thing. Dallas without Luka Doncic for the next five ball games, four ball games. I think I said he was going to miss six, six games. They had a back to back over the weekend, so at least four, I guess. At this point, I mean Rick Carlisle's always going mix and match style. He played J.J. Barea big minutes in the first game of their back to back, and then Jalen Brunson hit twelve field goals and scored twenty seven points in the second half of the back to back, and he's obviously the guy you use because. Well, he was very good the last time Luca missed a couple of ball games. Maxi Kleba, eighteen points, six boards, four blocks, filling in for Kristaps Porzingis, and Willie Cauley Stein played twenty-six minutes in this game. Go figure. Seven points, ten boards, couple of blocks in twenty-six minutes. I am going to come out and say it as honestly as I can. I don't have, a you know what, in clue what Rick Carlisle is going to do with his rotations on a night-to-night basis. Not a clue. Seth Curry hurt his knee in this game, so presumably that'll open things up a tiny bit more in the backcourt. But here's my best guesses. One, it feels like Maxi Kleba still needs to see decent minutes. He's one of their better players. That's just sort of the gross bottom line of it. He's a better player on this team than some of the guys he's competing with in the frontcourt. He's better overall... And Willie Colley Stein. Different. I'd argue cauley Stein probably a little bit better of a rim runner type. And for Kleba, this huge ball game came on nine shots in 30 minutes. So it wasn't like he was out there chucking away. He had four three pointers. That was lifting his value, but he's a high efficiency dude overall. So it's not it's not a it's not an insane thing to expect him to hit 50 or more percent of his shots because that's what he's been doing. Dorian Finney Smith, I can't trust. I know he had a big ball game here, but I'm wiping him up. Anyway, DeLon Wright is a guy we're watching closely. At 9, 5, and 7 in almost 30 minutes in this ballgame, if he could ever carve out a consistent role, obviously he'd beat a monster in fantasy. He's number 126 right now, but his minutes are still all over the place. No clue what he's doing on a game-to-game basis. He had 10, 2, and 3 in 25 minutes before that. Game before that, he played 16 minutes and did nothing. So I can't advocate a pickup on DeLon Wright, much as I'd like to, because he can play 12 minutes tomorrow. Or today. Or whatever the hell the next game is. We haven't gotten to that part of this the show yet. Jalen Brunson, yes. Looks like a great fill-in unless we find out at the last minute that is starting their next ballgame. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, I'm probably watching him when Porzingis is back. I don't know that you have to make a move on him this quickly if you desperately need steals and blocks and not great foul shooting and maybe some rebound. I mean, he's not that great of a rebounder. Over, he's okay. I mean, he wasn't putting up big rebounding numbers in Golden State. Depends a little bit on his role on any given team. If you need that stuff and, you know, your team is just going to fall apart without it, you could make sort of the preemptive move there. But I don't know that you have to. I think I'd like to see what he does in the next game with Porzingis back. Does he still see 20-some-odd minutes, or was his giant bump in this ballgame exclusively because KP was out? And then you're not dealing with any of the rest of the guys on this team. It doesn't doesn't extend any beyond that. For Atlanta, uh, nice to see Damian Jones put up some nice numbers. He played 31 minutes at center in this game. John Collins played 33 minutes, saw a lot of time at power forward. I I honestly don't know what to make of all this, because if Damian Jones ever locked in 31 minutes, he would be a super interesting center to pick up. But there's no reason to believe that this could happen again. He played 26 minutes in their win over Philadelphia. Bruno Fernando was out, or I mean, he didn't play, though he was considered probable. Alex Len was out, so I I don't know. I mean, I'd love it if we if there this sort of consistency emerged when Alex Len and or Bruno Fernando were back, but I don't I don't think you're gonna get it. Kevin Herter got hot. That was nice to see after I had basically said he was right on the brink of being uh, streamer value. And he didn't do, again, the other stuff that we've been looking for. So I don't, this was a good ball game, but I don't know that it really moved the needle that much. And then Trey Young turned an ankle, which means that you might see more Jeff Teague or Brandon Goodwin in the next game or two. Teague played 30 minutes in this ball game. If Trey Young has to miss any time, Teague would be a really interesting streamer type. Um, but again we've seen Trey Young he plays through stuff he is a tough nut and so you're you're gambling if you're having to use up a roster move again this is a week with the trade deadline i wouldn't recommend making any moves for short term value and using up a roster move if you're going to make a move you better be in a league where you can do a whole bunch all week long now that's the only reason to make a move on a guy like Jeff Teague knowing that his value is tied exclusively to Trey Young playing or not Mentioned uh, Cam Reddish and uh, DeAndre Hunter as guys that we were sort of watching. Well, Reddish hurt himself in this ballgame. He suffered a facial injury. He's in the protocol, and then Hunter didn't even play. So, womp womp to that effect. Yes, womp womp indeed. Philadelphia blown out by Boston. Sounds like Ennis Cantor's getting close. I know Daniel Tice finally had a quiet ball game, but I am not worried. He had to deal with Joel Embiid and handle him well. Held Joel Embiid to one of his worst ballgames of the season. If you're wondering if Daniel Tice is going to get playing time for Boston after he puts on a clinic like that defensively, ain't nobody coming for his minutes. It don't matter who's coming back for that team. Nothing much on the fantasy front in this ballgame, however. Philly was just bad. Boston was good. Jalen Brown shot the hell out of the ball. Jason Tatum didn't, but had plenty of points. And then other guys got involved in the blowout, as Gordon Hayward had a quiet ball game as well. That Charlotte-San Antonio game was a weird one. San Antonio trailed by as many as 18 points, I believe, in this, maybe even 20, and then won by 24, (laughs) a wild swing. Willie Hernan Gomez looks like he's locked in at about 18 minutes right now. I'm going to keep him on my watch list, but he is far from an ad at the moment, and this is why you don't make a move the second somebody shows a sign of life, because you might drop somebody you care about. Miles Bridges is on one of his weird little runs where he gets a little bit more aggressive. That probably will fade as we've seen the rest of this year, or maybe, who knows, maybe this is the time he finally keeps the foot on the gas for more than one and a half weeks at a time. For the Spurs, DeMar DeRozan was good. Jakob Purtle had a great ball game in 18 minutes. He remains a bit of a specialist field goal percent and blocks. DeJounte Murray was very good, so Derek White... Was less awesome, but still good, and I love the fact that Murray played twenty seven and a half minutes, and White twenty six and a half. So it wasn't a dead split. White twelve five and one. He did it with okay percentages. Both of those guys right now belong on fantasy radars or rosters, I should say. And Lamarcus Aldridge came back from his thumb injury and was not very good, but he'll be fine because you know he's Lamarcus Aldridge. Lakers, they're, uh, this is the back-to-back half. They went to Sacramento after that super emotional loss to Portland on Friday and whipped up on the Kings. Anthony Davis was good, and this was a blowout early, so everybody got involved, and there's not a whole lot you should read from the results of this ballgame on either side, frankly, because the Kings threw in the towel relatively early as well. Harrison Barnes was bad. does not belong on fantasy rosters right now. Darren Fox was meh with seven turnovers and still can't hit a free throw. Buddy Heald has been quite good coming off the bench for the Kings, so that's good news. Nemanja Bialica has cooled a little bit, but there's nobody coming for his minutes right now, so he will be fine. And thus, they just say everything stays the same. And finally, Utah. This is News Central for once. Mike Conley moves back into the starting lineup and posts 22-4-4 and with four three-pointers. No steals. That was a little bit of a letdown, I guess. But otherwise, this is a great game for Mike. 30 minutes in the starting unit. Yeah, they lost, but who isn't to Damian Lillard right now? Holy crap, Damian Lillard. Oh, my God. You have to... Okay, so we don't usually pause on first-rounders, especially when there isn't anything fantasy-relevant, right? Like, no one's going to move Damian Lillard right now. But really, this is a sell moment. It's hard to do because he has gone completely out of his ever-loving mind... Over the last six games, Dame has scored 61, 47, 50, 36, 48, and 51, and they've won five of those six games, including wins over Indiana, Houston, and uh, the Lakers, and Utah. Dame is bonkers. Over his last six ball games, he did 11, 8, 8, 6, 7, and 9 three-pointers. He's averaging close to seven rebounds over that stretch and ten assists. I mean, this is unreal if you can lob him out there and see if maybe you can snag yourself an Anthony Davis or a James Harden you'll never have another opportunity like this this is an historic run for a fantastic basketball player and you should try to cash in see what you can get I mean Dame's been amazing he's been amazing he's the number five player in nine category leagues right now he's basically bunched in there with Kawhi Leonard Carl Anthony Towns and Kyrie Irving on a per game basis at the moment and he's the one of those guys that's playing all the time. He's played forty-eight games. The rest of those dudes max out at 37. Kawhi's at 37. He leads that the the non dames of that group. And then James Harden, who, despite his cold spell, is still basically worth like a late second rounder on top of Damian Lillard on the year. See if you can go get him. Maybe you could get somebody to take Dame and throw some in that top fifty range. Dame and Gordon Hayward for James Harden. It seems like giving up a lot, but Again, head to head, Roto, I don't care what you're in. If you have James Harden, it completely changes what you get to do with your basketball team. Trevor Reza took six shots. I mean, these this is what we're talking about. There's gonna be this pendulum with him. Six, seven and two. He's been good since coming to Portland. There's no question about that. But he was never gonna be that top fifty type of twenty one point a game thing that we saw in two of his first three ball games. That was very much a selling moment for him, but he'll be okay the rest of the year. He's not going to be bad at all. If you want to hang on, hang on. I'm totally fine with that. But there was an, a, there was, I think, a feeling that maybe you could. We had caught lightning when, in fact, it just wasn't going to hold. And I believe that's 29, no, 28 of the 30 teams. But well, luckily, the other ones are not super interesting from the fantasy perspective. Uh, Memphis was without a couple of bodies in their last ball game. When they are fully healthy, we know exactly what to expect with them. Still hoping for the Anthony Melton to earn more playing time. That game, by the way, in New Orleans was the one for Dylan Brooks that we were worried about. And then he had two blocks. So good for Dylan to sort of keep from completely bottoming out in a bad shooting game. He did a little bit of other stuff that made him borderline fantasy relevant in that ball game. And then Oklahoma City was the other team that didn't play over the weekend. Uh, Saturday or Sunday I should say and their other stuff is fairly predictable Chris Paul, Roland, Dennis Schroeder good, Nerlens Noel, Stephen Adams who's again still kind of working his way back and then uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander who's cooled off just a little bit lately after that insane stretch but this is a very predictable and easy team and we don't need to waste a whole bunch of time on it before we finish things up here with a look at the very large Monday card, 10 game slate coming up tonight, a busy one Wanted to remind everybody that when we talk about our guys over at Gaming, you got to, got to, got to make your wagers with mybookie.ag using promo code today. I know some of you are out there thinking about getting involved. The Super Bowl had to be the big one, right? You must have opened an account to bet one of those silly Super Bowl props. Please tell me you did. If you didn't, don't worry. You can open up an account today. Our contest is over. That's true. Hoopball is no longer going to be bankrolling you, and we'll be announcing winners of that contest later on today. Maybe if you ask me nice. No, nope, can't do that. Um, Promo code is the word today, T-O-D-A-Y. You get a 50% deposit bonus when you open up your first account at MyBookie and make that initial deposit. MyBookie.ag is the website. The promo code is the word today. One of the big things we've heard from folks that have done it, we've talked about it here on the podcast. I mean, I've done it. Bruce's done it. All of us here on the staff at Hoopball have done it. Those of you that have done it out there in listener land and hoop ball gaming follower land have noted how helpful they've been with customer service stuff. And that's a huge deal because there, there was this big, dark blanket thrown over online betting for so long. And finally, they're pulling that curtain back and saying, look, we want to be legitimate now. We want to be part of this Is stuff is getting legalized now. We want to be part of the fabric of sports and my bookie has taken the big first step on that—that that other online gambling sites have not—of being upfront and helpful. All right, quickly here the Monday card: Dallas at Indiana. I mean, you can watch Victor Oladipo if you want as he works his way back. We knew it was going to be a process. Wouldn't expect much until after the All-Star break. Dallas, I think it's going to be Jalen Brunson. Keep an eye on Maxi Kleba and Willie Cauley Stein. With Kristaps Porzingis likely to play in this ball game. Orlando, Charlotte, don't care about much in that one. I mean, we can keep one very a partial eye. We'll call like one quarter of one eye on on Willie Hernan Gomez. A lot of Willies here on the uh, Monday watch list, but barely paying attention to Hernan Gomez. The Knickerbockers, they'll have their, their full complement of goofballs back, but uh, I don't care. Cleveland, we're uh, just paying attention to who's actually in town because if anybody, nobody gets moved. Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Colin Sexton, you can probably throw into the mix these days. He's been playing well, and that's as far as I'm going. But keep an eye on Kevin Porter, keep an eye on Darius Garland if anybody should somehow turn a corner there. But I'm not expecting anything more. If they If it does happen, we'll react to it at that point. Golden State off the big win in Cleveland. They take their uh, fun, the traveling road show to Washington. We don't know what's going on with D'Angelo Russell yet. We do have a pretty good feel for what's going on with Washington right now, at least among the three guys you can trust. But as they work uh, Wagner and Hachimura back in with lower minutes, I would reckon, in this ballgame, that's just going to pull things away from the other fringe guys, at least at first. Does Hachimura become a 12 team guy by the end of this season? I'm going to say no. I don't think he quite gets there. He's going to be just a little bit on the outside looking in. Lack of defensive stats combined with a lack of three pointers is really going to be the, the part that kills you there. And then with Golden State, I just, I mean, I'm loving on Marquise Chris right now. <laughs> Simple as that. Boston at Atlanta. We'll see if Ennis Cantor plays. We'll see if Trey Young plays. Beyond that. We'll see if the Atlanta centers are healthy in any way, or if maybe Damian Jones can kind of wally-pip him, take the job. Doubt it. Doubt it. Never know. No Kemba, by the way, on the Boston side. Should have mentioned that in that last ballgame. His knee kept him out in our uh, reverse chronological lightning round. He's expected back after a couple game-abs. They said two games are going to sit, and then they'll check it out. Not that worried, they said. We'll see. Still don't like it. Phoenix at Brooklyn. The uh, Suns could certainly use Ricky Rubio. As Rubio goes, so go the Phoenix Suns. They really need Devin Booker off-ball a little bit more. He's such an unbelievable scorer, but that assist-to-turnover ratio, just not good. They need Rubio to get guys the ball when they're open. Our offense is just better. And then with Brooklyn, maybe we'll get some more news on Kyrie. In the meantime, maybe you get Spencer Dinwiddie if you catch him on a mild efficiency run, but overall, I don't like that team fantasy-wise. Same deal with Philly. You know what you're getting. Miami, you also know what you're getting. Eh, Not much to watch in these blogs. Phoenix, by the way, you can put Mikael Bridges on the uh, the watch list as well. I mean, he's largely owned in my competitive leagues. I would assume he's getting there in yours as well, out there in listener land. I don't know for sure, but he's certainly close from a needs-to-be-started standpoint. Detroit at Memphis. We're on Andre watch, but haven't heard anything. Andre Drummond versus Jonas Valanciunas. This is always a matchup that got Valanciunas fired up when he was in Toronto. See if it does the same thing in Memphis. He actually gets to play there, so it might not have that same impact. We'll see. Christian Wood, can we start him? Can't we start him? Eh... I've been throwing him out there in even in games cap spots just cuz I'm down in games played but I'd rather bench him until something happens with Drummond but you know we'll we'll do it as we see. By the way, Brandon Clark I believe is expected to play for Memphis after a one game absence. And then hopefully with Detroit we'll get an update on uh, Derek Rose as well. Minnesota not super interesting these days. Shabazz Napier is your your near specialist with slight upside lately Sacramento kind of the same issue. The, uh, Rashawn Holmes is doubtful for this game, so he's not quite back yet. Hopefully that's not too long now. Thought he might play like 10 days ago, and then that report just evaporated. Posted a sad face, and maybe it was because he wasn't quite there yet. That was, that was like a week and a half ago now. Time flies when you're waiting on Rashawn Holmes, apparently. San Antonio at the Clippers, and um, we'll just, I mean, think Montres Harrell, I think, is the only thing to keep tabs on there. If he's not in there, Zubats is going to get a little kick in the pants, and the Spurs, to me, are a four player team now. And that's your show. Reverse chronological lighting round. In the books, managed to get through that thing without clicking tums around in my mouth too much. You're welcome. Hit me up, by the way, if you'd like to join Hootball as a salesperson, salesman, saleswoman, doesn't matter. I think most of you listening are men, but not all. And I love that. So women, if you want to join hoop ball, hit me up. You know it's a boys club out here. Let's let's, ugh, let's get all the guys out of this joint. Get some women working at hoop ball too. Uh, bug me if you want to get in involved, in, again, in any capacity. The sales side, obviously, is the one where you might be able to make a few bucks if you're good at it and have midday availability. Uh, also, you could email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. That's the other way there. Drop a five-star review. Subscribe to the uh, Ball Newsletter. I haven't bugged you guys about that in a long time. And enjoy your Monday. Big card tonight. Let's see if we learn anything. Who knows? We're at one of those weird little lulls now. But trade deadline week. And I say it again. Most important thing I'm going to say today and tomorrow. Don't use your weekly moves if you have a limit on anything other Then rest of season high upside stuff, meaning save it for trade news, big injury news, things that can impact your team over the long haul. Don't stream. Don't waste a move streaming today and tomorrow. Things are going to be happening this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, more so on Wednesday and Thursday. Save your moves for those moments That's going to be the make-or-break stuff. You want to have moves available. You might even want to pick up two, three guys on the same team when something crazy goes down. Have the moves available to do that. And consider in advance who are the one or two guys that you would drop quickly without having to really think about it in the moment if something big goes down. That's my advice, and I'll try to repeat it again tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully we'll talk to Brandon at some point this week, and I might be able to get the great Pedro DiReste back on the show by the end of the week or possibly first thing tomorrow. That is my child bidding you farewell here on this uh, Monday after the Super Bowl. I am Dan Vesperis, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Have a great Monday. So long.